0: what's going on everyone welcome to the program it is not your average boston sports podcast i'm your host garrett hayden today got a lot of stuff to get to very exciting uh first and foremost happy new year to everyone i uh, want to wish a happy and healthy 2022 to everyone um got a lot to get to today bruins are back uh, playing hockey games uh, patriots have clinched a playoff berth um You know, Celtics are just the Celtics, but a lot to get to today. Um, As always, you can follow the Facebook page and the Twitter page. Uh, You can also uh, follow, uh, listen, uh, like, whatever you do on uh, Apple Podcasts. And on Spotify, you can feel free to leave a uh, review on Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined. Um, So... I think we'll just get into it today. Plenty um, of Patriots to get to. Uh, the good news is the Patriots are in the playoffs uh, after a uh, one year hiatus, if you will. Um, but they are back in the playoffs. Patriots pick up uh, their 10th win of the season last weekend at Gillette against the Jacksonville Jags. And this was a pretty easy game, you know, from a Patriots fan perspective. Uh, the game really was never in doubt. Patriots dominated. Uh, 50 points second time this year that the Patriots have scored 50 points Um, The first one was that uh, game against the Jets that kick-started this stretch of uh, eight wins in ten games Patriots also obviously snapping the uh, two-game road losing streak um, Or two-game losing streak that they had uh, with losses to the Colts and the Bills so um, the good news is the Patriots really seemed to bounce back and really seem to be right back on track with the team that we saw win seven straight. And look, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are, you know, uh, probably going to have the first pick in the NFL draft. So it's not exactly a team that, you know, you look at and say, wow, like, this was a great team that you beat. It wasn't a great team that you beat, but at the same time, you only work with the games that you have in front of you. And I think the Patriots very obvious going into the game winning clinch a playoff berth and the Patriots were very comfortable and I think it was good to see that Mac Jones had a great bounce back performance even though it's against a bad team you know I think uh, as we said last week you know I think anytime you have an opportunity to um, you know bounce back against a bad team that's exactly what you want to do and that's exactly what the Patriots did so uh, really there was no part of this game that I think could be considered a negative. I mean, of course, the Patriots had um, a couple of mishaps on extra points, uh, but that really was those really were the only mistakes. Uh, Nick Folk had an extra point blocked, and then I think a, a snap was uh, bobbled by Jake Bailey uh, for an extra point. But you know, those are mistakes that were just kind of you know nitpicking. The Patriots dominated in every way in this game. Mac Jones, three touchdowns, Damian Harris. Remondre Stevenson, two touchdowns apiece. Uh, Stevenson had over 100 yards. Uh, Harris appeared to leave the game. um, Maybe had re-aggravated that hamstring, but, you know, I think that that's just speculation at this point. But he had a couple touchdowns, so, um, you know, this was a big, beatdown, feel-good, kind of feel-positive type of game. And the important thing is the Patriots are in the playoffs, do not need to go into this final game against the Dolphins, you know, needing a win to get in, um, which I think was in the back of some people's minds that, okay, really hope they don't have to do this. But, you know, the Jags were completely overmatched. Patriots with three interceptions of Trevor Lawrence. The um, Defense, I think, had a good day, you know, and I know, again, the team that they played is not very good. And I think... You know, you would expect the Patriots to score a lot of points. You know, I thought they'd score 31 points. They scored 50, so. Um, But I think at the end of the day, it's a good performance, a good bounce-back performance from a team that I think really needed it. Um, So going to this final game against Miami is interesting. Dolphins are um, obviously been eliminated from playoff playoff, uh, contention. Uh, We'll take a look at that in a little bit. We'll take a look at the NFL standings. Um, but I still think that the Dolphins are going to be trying to win this game. You know, by no means is this going to be the Dolphins just kind of phoning it in and being like, okay, our season's over. We have nothing to play for. I mean, playing for a season sweep of the Patriots is definitely worth playing for, you know, even if your team is out of the playoffs. So I would expect that Miami does try to play hard and try to win this game. Um, I think that despite the Patriots clinching a playoff berth, I think this game is very important for them um, to try to build some momentum going into the playoffs. And I think, yes, Miami has been a difficult place for the Patriots to play over the years. You know, historically, they've had some bad losses, especially late in the season. So I actually think that this game is a good springboard to having to play a playoff game on the road, you know, most likely, you know, I think unless the Bills have a historic, have a have a big collapse against the Jets, I don't think the Patriots are winning the division. So in all likelihood, they have to start on the road. So I think, you know, this type of game is going to be important for, you know, Mac Jones and this Patriots team that, okay, this is going to be a tough road game. This is going to be very similar to, you know, likely what they will face in the first round of the playoffs. So You know, I think the biggest thing for the Patriots is just getting into an offensive rhythm and trying to control the clock. You know, I think that that's the biggest thing. If the Patriots can control possession, control the clock, um, they should be fine. You know, I think that um, as much as I think Tua has improved at points in this season, um, I don't think he looked very good against the Titans. And I think if the Patriots can try to make things uncomfortable for him, you know, try to force him to throw earlier than he wants to. The Patriots can try to force some interceptions. Um, but I think that the Patriots need to be focused in this game. You know, this is easily a game that, you know, can get out of hand if, you know, crazy things start to happen. Crazy things do happen in Miami. You know, we've seen that from almost every trip the Patriots have taken down there in the last couple of years. You know, you remember the crazy lateral touchdown you know, and in and, and games and, and plays like that. So, you know, turnover battle is huge. You know, the Patriots cannot afford to lose the turnover battle. And I think that, you know, the Dolphins with the pass rush that they have, they're second in the league in sacks. I think that this is something the Patriots have to, um, you know, figure out a good game plan to combat that. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how do they combat that type of defense in the playoffs you know i don't know what defense they're going to be facing but i think anytime you go into the playoffs you know it's going to be each each mistake is going to be magnified so i think how the patriots offense or offensive line specifically does against this dolphins front might tell you a little bit about going into the playoffs that are you're going to feel comfortable when teams decide to send extra guys um, and try to make things uncomfortable for Mac Jones. So, you know, I think that's going to be where my main focus is going to be. How does the offensive line respond to the aggressive Dolphins front? Um, but I think if the Patriots can control the clock, can control the clock, you know, run the ball with effectiveness, they should be fine. Um, I think defensively, there is a little bit of concern considering um, how. Successful other teams have been against have been running the ball against the Patriots, and they gave up like four or five yards per carry last week. So I think you know that's something that needs to improve because I think Tua is a quarterback hasn't really shown I don't want to say hasn't shown the ability to run, but he's always a threat to escape out of the pocket and make plays. Um, not saying that he's Josh Allen, but I think you could see similar plays like that, and the Patriots have to keep him in the pocket you know, make things uncomfortable for him, you know, crowding the box. I don't know exactly, but um, I think that you're going to see, you know, an interesting, an interesting game. I do expect this is going to be close. Um, I don't expect that the Dolphins are going to be, you know, lying down and making this easy. Um, so I do like the Patriots. I like them to win 28 to 21, something like that. I would expect that, um, I don't expect this goes down to the last possession, um, but I think that the Patriots may do better in Miami this time around. You know, I don't know. I think that having a a rookie quarterback who really doesn't have any experience with, you know, the struggles of the team in Miami, you know, there's a lot been made about Mac Jones's alleged inability to throw the ball in cold weather. Um, Not that I believe something like that, but... There could be something to be said for going down to Florida. It's a warm climate. It's something that he is kind of used to. I get, or I guess. Um, so you know, maybe you see another good game out of him. But I think for the Patriots to be successful going into the playoffs, they have to establish the run. So I think you could see another game of that, whether it's Harris or Stevenson looking to get over a hundred yards. Harris at the moment, I think is 108 yards shy um, of 1,000 for the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots get him a lot of looks in Miami. Um, But I think, you know, as far as going ahead to the playoffs, I don't want to get too into this because we'll talk about this next week, you know, when we know the Patriots playoff opponent. Um, But there has been a lot floating around recently of which team would you rather play buffalo or cincinnati and this is assuming of course everything kind of goes to plan in terms of games Um, and do the patriots end up playing buffalo on the road do they end up playing cincinnati we'll take a closer look at the standings in a little bit but i really just think that yes okay you can play the game of oh i would rather play this team oh i think this team is easier to play you know there are pros and cons to both teams Um, but I also just think having this conversation is very dangerous and I know that it's purely just a media conversation. There's no one in that Patriots locker room that is having that conversation. I can guarantee you that, um, you know, that's not something that the team is focused on. That's not something that Bill Belichick is focused on. The Patriots are focused on going to Miami, having a good game and getting a win and getting to 11 wins. Um, that any conversation of, oh, they should lose intentionally is just stupid. Um, and I really will not stop short of saying that because you're a professional sports team. Your job is to go out and compete and try to win every single game. And if you're paying attention, paying attention to the scoreboard, it's just like, what, like that, that's not being professional. So I just, I really don't want to hear that conversation of, you know, oh, like, the Patriots should intentionally lose. Like, stop it. Having that conversation is just insane to me. But yes, you can have your opinions on which team do you think would be a better matchup. And there are pros and cons to both. But when you start saying things like, oh, they should intentionally lose, you totally lose me. So it'd be interesting to see what the Patriots look like um, on Sunday. Uh, The game has been moved to 425. um, So hopefully... If you hopefully you've heard that information, if you haven't, then uh, don't be too, don't be surprised when you tune into a one o'clock game on CBS and not see the Patriots. Uh, so Patriots and Dolphins has been moved uh, to 425. I'm assuming that uh, CBS believes that uh, they will get a larger audience for this game at 425. I mean, that's kind of what the conclusion that I've come to is. Um, but in terms of the rest of the nfl we'll get to that in a bit um but patriots dolphins sunday afternoon patriots can get to 11 wins this season kind of hoping they do that was my prediction at the beginning of the season but you know 10 and 6 is a great spot for this team to be in the playoffs is a great spot for this team to be um i think no matter what you think about their playoff chances they have improved and they have greatly improved this season you know at least three wins better than they were last year. So I think that it's 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 great to be back in the playoffs as a Patriots fan. I think we do have to be careful, though, that no expectations are put on this team, that people expect them to be better than what they are. You know, my personal opinion, I think that they have a great chance to win a divisional or a wildcard road game. I do think they have a good chance. You know, whether that's against Buffalo, whether that's against Cincinnati, whoever it's against, I like their chances, but I think that any expectations of them getting to the AFC championship game, you know, I think you might want to be a little careful there, you know, not to think that this team can't make it that far, you know, I think at their best, they certainly can make it interesting against a team like a Kansas City, like a Tennessee, Um, Or whichever one of those top seeds advances. Um, But I think, I know that it's natural, you know, in this city to think about our teams as championship or bust. And that's not the way it needs to be. You know, I think that you can look at this Patriots season right now and say, it's been a good year, it's been a successful year. You know, Mac Jones has developed a lot better than I think a lot of us have, that a lot of us would have thought. You know, does he win Offensive Rookie of the Year? Maybe not, but I think his development has proven to a lot of us, and it should prove to a lot of us, that he was the right decision to go with um, in training camp. Honestly, the move surprised me, but it's turned out. You know, has he been unbelievable? Has he set the world on fire? No, you know, but he's given this team a chance to win every game. You know, he hasn't had his best game every single game but I feel like most games he's given the team a chance to win. So um, that's really all you can ask for a quarterback. And I think as a rookie quarterback, it's pretty, pretty remarkable what he's been able to do and what this team has been able to do. I think from a perspective of getting a lot of these free agent guys acclimated um, and being impact players, not everyone has done that. I understand that, but I think you look at Hunter Henry, you look at, on obviously you know you look at a kendrick Bourne who's having a really good season you know i think it's been a very good season for the patriots and i think um season has gotten better than a lot of us would have thought and sure you know this seven game win streak may have you know put thoughts of a super bowl in people's minds you know i don't think it should have you know i think it's just you go out and you were executing and you were winning games that doesn't, you know, shouldn't be like, oh, they're going to go to the Super Bowl now. Um, but I think it tells you that the team is is on the right track with uh, the future with, you know, Mac Jones and some of these young rookies and some of these guys who, you know, haven't even really seen the field this year. But I think will figure to be big parts of the future going forward. You know, thinking about someone like Ronnie Perkins, who hasn't played this year. Um, or a player like Cameron McGrone, who wasn't going to play anyway this season, but I think could be a help to you next season when you kind of look at the linebacker position, Um, and maybe even the safety position when you look at Kyle Duggar and the season that he's had, or Adrian Phillips, who the Patriots just re-signed. So, you know, I think that that could tell you that the Patriots are in good position to replace some of their, you know, veteran foundational players like Devin McCordy, like uh, um, Dante Hightower. Um, and I think, you know, it's been a positive to have those guys around. Now, have they been great impact players every single time they've been on the field? No, not necessarily, but they're still making plays when they're called upon more often than not. Um, and I think, you know, having them around for a leadership is great. Having someone like Matthew Slater still around, I think, is great. So, there is reason to feel great about this Patriots season. You know, even at this point. Even not even knowing what they might do in the playoffs. So, um, looking forward to talking more Patriots. Um, I did totally forget to say at the beginning of the show um, that I will start with the new show format next week. Um, and we will have a guest next week. We will be previewing the Patriots' uh, playoff opponents, so looking forward to that. So Most likely, I think you're going to see an episode on Monday, and then we'll give the next the guest Friday episodes um, on Friday or, you know, guest uh, special guest. I haven't decided what I'm going to call, you know, this the, the Friday guest uh Whatever, I haven't decided what I'm going to call it. So, um, but definitely I'll be on the lookout, give you guys an announcement, you know, how things are going to work this week and hopefully work the, um, in the near future. Um, so I think that probably does it for the Patriots. Uh, we'll get back to more NFL in a bit. The Bruins, the Bruins are back. The Bruins are back playing hockey games, if you can believe it. Um, Bruins returned from there hiatus their uh over two-week hiatus um, on New Year's Day against the Sabres um, and the Bruins you know roll off three straight wins had a uh, tough loss to Minnesota last night uh, Bruins are three and one in the four games they have played since the break and yes there were certainly some negatives out of last night's game um, too many penalty minutes I think that that really just messed with the Bruins' flow um, in this game. And I think that, yeah, tempers were high. Um, There were plays in that game that I think uh, made the temperature of the game get a little too high. Um, And the Bruins, I think, as a result, took too many penalties. Uh, Minnesota had eight power plays in last night's game, scored twice. And, you know, the Bruins' penalty kill has kind of been something of a I don't want to say mystery, but maybe that's the right word because the Bruins typically are, you know, a top five, top three team in penalty killing. And they've kind of been middle of the pack this season. Uh, I think currently they're 11th or 12th in the league. So, you know, I'm not really sure what that's about. And look, 11th or 12th out of 32 teams is still pretty good, Um, but it's certainly not up to the Bruins, you know, standard. So I think you know most most of the time it's just kind of i don't want to say by chance but i think you know i you know when i when i watch these games and i watch their you know penalty killing i'm not really i don't want to say i'm not watching for certain things but i just think oftentimes when goals are scored you know you look at it and you're like okay this guy was out of position or you know this person was maybe not able to get the puck out of the of the, of the the zone. So, you know, I don't know. I think it's just something that just kind of comes and goes. Um, and that's often how special teams go, you know, in hockey, that sometimes you have good stretches, sometimes you don't. And it's the same thing with power play. You know, it's funny because I remember, you know, last week talking about um, something to look for, um, for how the Bruins can get going offensively. And one of the things I talked about was Maybe you can start scoring some power play goals. And the Bruins, I think, have had one power play goal over the last four games. So it is kind of funny how, you know, I was thinking, okay, this is how you can easily get going offensively. The Bruins haven't needed the power play to score goals. Um, It's been a pretty interesting stretch for this team. This team has scored 16 goals uh, since since they returned from the pause. And I believe it's 13 different players have scored goals. Um, you know, I think the only people with multiple goals are uh, Trent Frederick and Taylor Hall. So it might be 14. Um, actually, I think Marshan might have two. Uh, but But anyway, it's great scoring depth. It's a great sign that hopefully the Bruins are kind of over this hump of not being able to get goals from all around the lineup. And that's what they've been able to get. So you know, here's hoping that that can continue because I think that's really what this team has been missing is secondary scoring and guys being able to do that consistently. So, you know, it's been good to see. It's been good to see Trent Frederick getting some goals. It's been good to see, you know, Craig Smith, Charlie Coyle getting to the inside and getting chances. Um, You know, I think as much as Frederick's been really good, I would say one of those games where he kind of, impacts the game negatively was last night and I'm not saying that he needs to you know stop doing the getting in guy trying to get in guys heads and trying to you know be a pest on the ice you know I think that that can be good but I think he needs to learn when to kind of turn it down a little bit and not have it affect the game as much because I think he kind of affected the game negatively last night A lot of people were talking about the hit that he had on Kaprizov last night, which knocked him out of the game. Now, looking at that replay, you know, and I'm trying not to sound like a biased Bruins fan, but, you know, if you look at that play, Frederick's going in for a hit, Kaprizov slips, or, you know, whatever happened there, and Frederick finishes his hit. And I think, you know, certainly could he have pulled up? Maybe, but I think that there really is not any ill intent behind that. I mean, I think some people you know, non Bruins fans would look at that and say that that was a dirty play. And, you know, he got a penalty for it. And I think it was rightfully so. I think it was a penalty, but I would stop short of calling it kind of a a dirty garbage hit or whatever people are saying. Um, But I think obviously you want to want to see him, you know, playing his type of game. Um, And I think it can be a positive, but at times it can be a negative where He's taking extra twos, you know, in that scrum with Zuccarilla last night, you know, he pulls his helmet off. That ends up being a two-minute penalty, wild score in the power play. Um, You know, I will also say the officiating last night was not good. You know, there were a couple penalty calls that they missed um, in favor of the—or could have gotten in favor of the Bruins, but it also happened in favor of the Wild, too. So, you know, it's just a frustrating game, you know, a game where I think— You got a little, the temperature got a little too hot and the Bruins maybe were not as focused or maybe weren't able to get into a flow because they're killing penalties the whole game. So, you know, hopefully that cleans up. Um, The Bruins played a great third period, weren't able to tie the game. Um, But, you know, this is a team that needs to remain focused because, you know, this schedule, the opponents they're going to play the next two games, it's not going to get any easier. Bruins have to travel travel to Tampa Bay uh, tomorrow night, and then I have to go to Washington on Monday night. And those are two very good Eastern Conference teams. So the Bruins really have to continue to try to get that secondary scoring and trying not to take uh, a ridiculous amount of penalties and being in the box for uh, too many minutes. So most, I think for the most part, though, it's been a good restart for the Bruins. They've played well. They've been able to get goal scoring from a lot of different places, you know, and I think the goaltending's been very good. You know, Olmark, I think, has rebounded from kind of a subpar start, and Swayman's been really solid. He's been rock solid, so you know, it's it's good that the Bruins have come off the pause and seem to be playing with a little bit more energy. Guys seem to be getting more chances. Guys seem to be you know, capitalizing on their chances as well. So um, the other big bit of news that came through yesterday um, is that Tukarask has signed an AHL contract with the Providence Bruins, was supposed to play this weekend, but their games with the, uh, Lehigh, with the Lehigh Valley, I believe, got postponed. So he unfortunately will not be able to play for Providence this weekend. It may push back his... You know, call up to, or eventual call up to the Bruins and, you know, contract with the Bruins. I mean, I think most of that contract stuff is just semantics and, you know, he'll be up with the team in the next couple weeks. Um, there was, I think, some whispers of him maybe playing for um, a different minor league team, like an ECHL team. I'm not sure what who the Bruins affiliate of that would be, but, you know, I think the idea is just to get him used to game action before he comes up to Boston and, you know, gets some uh, NHL NHL games under his belt. So, you know, I think this has been something that's been talked about, obviously, for months. When is Tuca going to come back? What's the goaltending situation going to look like? And I think, you know, the answer is pretty simple to me, and I think it's pretty simple to a lot of people that, you know, once Rask is ready, he then becomes kind of your your 1A, if you will, or 1B, you know just becomes one of your top two goaltenders, if not your top one. Um, and Olmark stays in Boston, and, you know, Swayman goes down to the AHL. Now, I think, you know, it is fairly obvious, you know, Swayman is still young and or hasn't played enough games to be considered kind of a, or he has played like fewer amount of games so that he can uh, be exempt from waivers. And so the Bruins can send him send him down, can bring him up without having to pass him through waivers. So, you know, obviously the Bruins aren't going to drop Olmark down because then he would go into waivers and some team would certainly claim him. So I think rather than keeping three goalies on the roster, you're going to see Swayman get sent down. That's not, you know, a negative. I don't think that that's uh, indicative of his performance. Because he's been very solid. He's really been very solid ever since he got called up last year. Um, and so I think, you know, it's good for him to continue to get game action. I think that's really the most important thing, um, that he gets game action. And AHL, NHL, I mean, to me, it really doesn't make a difference. But, you know, I think if if Tuka Rask is just going to be signing a one-year deal and is just going to be playing the second half of the year, And and the playoffs, you know, the thinking is Swayman and Olmark are just going to be back to being your, you know, 1A, 1B combination next year. Um, And I think also having Rask back is going to be a big positive because the Bruins' back half of the schedule is really loaded. And so, you know, having a lot of games in quick succession might actually be good for Tuca. And I also think just having him, you know, in you know, within the organization, in the locker room, on the ice, you know, may continue to kind of kickstart this, hopefully the start of a hot stretch that the Bruins want to have uh, right now with three wins in their first four games after the pause. So I think that his return can certainly, you know, ignite the team. So, you know, looking forward to seeing when his return might be. It probably will not be next week, maybe the week after. Um, The Bruins, it seems like we're targeting... January 18th for his return but I don't know if that changes because of the lack of games um, in Providence so you know the Bruins do have a pretty hefty schedule coming up you know Saturday Monday um, and then they will play Wednesday at the Garden against Montreal Thursday at the Garden against Philadelphia and then they will welcome in uh, Nashville next Saturday so it's two tough games for the Bruins on the road followed by two, you know, relatively I don't want to say easy games because there's really in my opinion there's no such cheese there's no such thing as easy games um, in the NHL. But I think, you know, the Bruins well, I kinda lost my train of thought there. Um but I think having, you know, two tough road games, two home games where you're playing teams that, you know, aren't very good, but you know obviously it's there's there's no there's no there's no given um that games are going to be easy but i think you know the bruins can hopefully try to pick up points in these next two games and kind of try to get like kind of a hot streak going because i think if they do that they'll really be fine And i think even if you look at how close the standings are right now um, which we'll take a look at in a little bit um the Bruins still have a lot of games in hand. So I think, you know, in all probability, even if a team like Detroit or Columbus, you know, jumps them in terms of points, the Bruins still have a lot of games that they haven't played. So, you know, there's still there, there's no reason to panic after last night's game. You know, it was a tough game, you know, too many penalties. And it happens, you know, games like that happen all the time where you feel like you are killing penalties the entire game you know, and I think that, yeah, it takes you out of your flow, it makes sense, you know, if you're spending that much time a man down, you know, you're going to allow goals, I mean, I think as much as the Bruins penalty kill has not been great recently, you know, the law of averages has to, you know, counter as to, you know, figure out at some point that, like, you can't expect to go eight for eight killing penalties in a game, I mean, that's just kind of crazy to expect that, but you know, games like that happen, and the Bruins, I think, can move past it, but it does not get any easier with Tampa Bay and Washington. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Bruins can do in these uh, this game uh, tomorrow night and then on Monday night. So both of these games are away. Then the Bruins are back home on Tuesday and Wednesday against Montreal and Philadelphia. Those are both back-to-back games, or those are back-to-back games Um, So I think we'll probably move on to the Celtics. Um, It's just kind of more of the same, unfortunately. Um, You know, it's kind of similar to what we talked about last week uh, with the Celtics coming off three straight losses after losing to uh, the Bucks, the Timberwolves, and the Clippers. Um, The Celtics surprisingly come in uh, come back to Boston or come into the game against Phoenix last Friday and come up with one of their, if not their best win of this season. a 123 108 win over the Suns. the Celtics were you know for the most part in control in this game. Um, and it had you it had you feeling good. It had you feeling like okay. Maybe this team can turn a corner with a game like that. Robert Williams had a triple-double. The Celtics moved the ball really well um, and then followed up with uh, a pretty <laughs> not a great performance against the Magic. The Celtics kind of struggled almost all night, and then Jalen Brown took over in the last four minutes in overtime, uh, put up a career-high 50 points, um, and the Celtics came roaring back to beat the magic uh, by five, 116-111, in which Jalen Brown was just tremendous. I think, Um, you know, it's one of those games that the Celtics were without one of their big guys, without Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown goes off for 50 points and just made me think, like, you know, people saying that they want to blow up this team, you know, you want to trade that guy? You know, Jalen Brown, 50 points, Jason Tatum, you know, and, you know, I know that we're backtracking and obviously some things have happened, um, but it seemed like after that game, it was like, okay, maybe they have really turned a corner. Uh, and then the Celtics have lost two uh, very close games on last second shots or uh, Wednesday night against the Spurs, a... Um, Miss layup by Jalen Brown could have tied the game. Um, so Celtics lose by two, and then the three-point loss to the Knicks last night, R.J. Barrett hitting a buzzer-beating three, uh, banking it in to beat the Celtics. Celtics were up uh, by 25 in this game, four games this year now, that the Celtics have lost after holding uh, leads of, I think, 19 or more. Um, and, you know, obviously losses that look very similar to losses they've had this season, um, or, you know, last season even, you know, has a lot of people, you know, angry and thinking that, you know, this something big needs to change. And I don't disagree with that. I do think that, you know, this is a team that needs to get its act together, you know, and I think it's unfortunate that, you know, you have a new coach, a new year, maybe new players, and it's kind of just the same same stuff going on. But You know, people saying blow it up again, and I probably will repeat myself the rest of the season, but you have to have something other than just saying that. You have to have some type of plan. You can't just go into this hot take, you know, thing and just be like, oh, you know, blow it up. Get rid of everyone. You know, everyone sucks. Like, get rid of everyone on the team. And it's like, you want to do that? Fine. I'm not going to stop you, but you're going to set the team back like five years You know, this team is literally going to go back to what they were Brad Stevens' first year, like 25 wins. I don't really think people fully comprehend what they're saying when they say something like that and what it actually would look like. Yeah, this Celtics team is not fun to watch. Yeah, the Celtics team is mediocre and it's maddening because they can win games against arguably the best or one of the best teams in the league in the Phoenix Suns. And they can come back and and lose games to, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Spurs, the Knicks, you know, teams that aren't bad necessarily, but teams that you should beat. And, you know, things can get a lot worse. You know, and I said something similar when people were, you know, complaining about how poorly the Bruins were playing. And, oh my God, like, it's going to be, they're going to be a mediocre team. They're going to be like this all year. And it's like, Things can get much worse. You know, this Celtics team is 18 and 21. You know, maybe they'll be a playoff team, but there are worse spots to be in. You know, you could be in the lottery. You could be, you know, the the Pelicans. You could be a team that is perennially bad and is in the lottery every season. And I just think, I don't, again, I don't think people are comprehending what they actually are, are saying when they say things like blow it up. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are not the problem. You know, I'm not trying to say that or I'm just I'm just not going to entertain a notion that they need to break them up because they're not the problem. You know, Jason Tatum had one of his best games of the season last night. I think had 36 points, I think had multi, had double digit assists. You know, and there are a number of other plays where he's finding open guys. He's making the right play and guys aren't making shots. You know, I just feel like the two of them recently, whether they're in the game together or one person is out, one person's in, they are doing everything they can to kind of push this team over the hump. And, you know, it's just not working out. And obviously there's no one big fix. I think that there are multiple things that need to change. You know, I think the Celtics... Um, the Dennis Schroeder project I think should be over. Like, I don't think he should be on the team any longer. Um, I'm not going to say sit here and sound like an eight year old and call him a ball hog. But at the same time, there was a possession late last night. Celtics are down by two. He takes the ball, drives to the basket, loses the ball. And that's a possession that Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown need to touch the ball. And I kind of am getting tired of him taking the ball, going inside, taking short jump shots and missing. And hey, he's, he can make a lot of those shots. He can make some layups where he just kind of beats a guy to the glass, but it's like moments like that are few and far between. You know, he's taking pull-up threes and taking jumpers where, yeah, they fall, but it's just like, sometimes they fall, sometimes they don't. I just feel like The game, the Celtics seem to just be stagnant when he's on the floor. And, you know, you can see when this team is playing well, when they are passing the ball all around, when they're being unselfish, making plays for the next guy. But it just is maddening because they can't play like that all the time, you know. And that's kind of the most frustrating thing where they are absolutely good enough to be a top four team in the league, you know, if they play the right way. And they often don't play like that. You know, and it's just as crazy that they play like that when they have a lead, when things are going well, and then they just stop doing it. So, you know, I think, as Ima Udoka said, you know, the team lacks toughness. The team, I think, needs a, a fire lit under them. But I think, you know, I just will say no, no big help is going to come this season. You know, and that's going to be tough to hear, but I think you know, you're not making any big grand moves in this season. You know, you probably need to trade Schroeder. I think you probably need to trade Ennis Freedom. So, you know, you trade those guys, but it's like, there's not going to be some big trade that the Celtics are going to make this season. They're not going to trade for Ben Simmons. They're not going to trade Jalen Brown for for Damian Lillard as much as people want to see that happen. It's just, it's going to be what it's going to be. And I think that for the Celtics as professionals need to have a little bit more pride and need to realize that, okay, when we are unselfish and we're making plays for other guys and we have high assist numbers, that's when we can be successful. Um, and it just is kind of blows my mind that that can't be, you know, consistent, but I think, you know, the Celtics have had sure two inconsist. I mean, not even two, I mean, a season and a half of, wildly inconsistent play that is not a reason to just blow the whole team up you know it's not like this team has been like this for five years they haven't as much as people want to tell you that they have and that's what really makes me angry and i'll just go on a rant for a second is these people that say the celtics have never won anything you know they've not been a good team the team has made two eastern conference finals in the last five years They've gone to a Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Final. They made the Eastern Conference Final in the bubble. You know, you can't just tell me because the Celtics have had a season and a half of poor, inconsistent play that you need to get rid of Jalen Brown. You need to blow this team up. And it's just like, again, I, I, I hate to repeat myself, but if you're going to say something like that, you have to have a plan. You know, and I just think there are certain people... That know that they don't have a plan and they're just going to tweet it and just get likes because people are going to agree with them. And it's just like, you know, if you're not going to if you're not going ju- to tell me what your plan is, I can assume you don't have a clue what you're talking about. Um, so, you know, it just that is crazy that the Celtics have had success over the last couple of years. And people look at these two seasons and are like, yo, you know, you're bad. You know, you need to trade trade these guys you need to trade these guys for i'm i don't know i'm assuming draft picks you know you really want this team to be a 25 win team it can get a lot worse than it's than it is right now um so you know but i just think with the team on the floor and the way they're playing it's going to be the way it's going to be you know they're going to win some games where they look really good they're going to lose some games where they look you know, good and are playing well or they're going to lose games or they look bad, you know, I think it's just kind of going to be what it's going to be, you know, unless there is something that changes, you know, within the team, whether they can roll off six wins in a row, you know, something like that. But I, you know, guess I'd be surprised. Um, But I think, again, you know, the Celtics are a team that they struggle in close game situations. Um, And I think, you know, it's just unfortunate the Celtics don't seem to have really enough guys who are knockdown shooters. They do have a couple guys, but you know, I think that with more time, Aaron Nesmith could get there, but you know, it just... The the fascination with playing Schroeder in a lot of these close game situations um, is just kind of wild that Ime Odoka continues to play him heavy minutes, and Look, it's not like Dennis's numbers are bad this season. They are good. You know, they are in line with some of the best numbers he's had. But it's just like, if you are going to be this kind of inconsistent team that you don't know what you're going to get, I mean, why aren't you playing more of the young guys? Why isn't Aaron Nismith playing more? And look, Langford's a guy that I think has gotten good consistent minutes this year. Grant Williams has been the same. He's improved a lot as a defender and a three-point shooter. You know, I think... Romeo Langford has his moments, but you know, for some reason, Niesmith's not really getting the consistent minutes. And I know that he plays out of control sometimes, but it's like the only way he's going to improve is if he plays more. Um, I would say in terms of the Schroeder thing, you know Peyton Pritchard is in health and safety protocols. so you know, unfortunately, that's why he's not been in the last couple of games. Um, and it seemed like he had kind of found a role a little bit in the last couple of games. But I just hope that trading Schroeder comes quickly and Peyton Pritchard can get some of those minutes because it just seems like, you know, not to say that Pritchard's a better player than him. I don't think that's the point. But I just think the Celtics went and got Schroeder just because they could and just because it's like, oh, hey, you know, we'll take a flyer on him. Um, But I just think he's not the best fit on this team. And the Celtics just brought him in just because there really was no other options. That okay, here he is, 5.9 million for this season. You know, who, who says no to that? So, you know, I think, and I don't want to pin all this on Dennis Schroeder because that's kind of what it sounds like. I know that probably is what it sounds like. But, you know, I just think that you watch him play sometimes and they're not, they don't move the ball the way that they should. And you see some games This year, like the Phoenix game, you know, Robert Williams had 10 assists in that game. The Celtics moved the ball the whole game, you know, and it just is like they should be able to play like that all the time, you know. And not to say that they're going to become title contenders, that they're going to be the Milwaukee Bucks if they play like that, but it just at least gives you hope that, okay, if they can play this way, you know, there's something that they could do that they can play hard. But all too often, that's just kind of going by the wayside. And, you know, you're having guys like Marcus Smart, who, you know, he struggled to hit shots last night. And it's just, there's a lot of this, it's hard to have him on the floor late in games because he sometimes doesn't knock down shots. But on the other hand, oftentimes he's making big defensive plays that keep you in games, you know, where he's making good hustle plays that, you know, keep the ball alive. And it just is like, I don't know. I think people to be on either extreme on Marcus Smart. So whether people are like, oh, you need him on this team, you know, he, you know, makes all the hustle plays, you know, or the people that say, oh, you need to get rid of him. He's not any good. I mean, I think that there's kind of a middle ground there. Um, But I hate to say it, you know, he's going to be part of this team. You know he's not going to be a guy that's going to get traded as much as some people would like him to get traded. You know I don't for, I don't foresee that that's going to happen, considering he just signed a new contract this summer. Um, but I think it's trying to surround Jalen and Jason with some better scorers and better shooters and guys that you can rely on. And you know Schroeder I think was it was a good idea to bring him in on one hand because he is a good scorer he's a guy that can get shots but. It's just like he's not constantly driving to the basket, you know, and that's kind of what I thought he was going to be for, and he has been at points this season where he's been able to drive to the basket and lay it up or make plays for other guys, but you don't see him doing that a lot recently. So, you know, it's just frustrating to lose another game the way they did last night. They got the Knicks uh, tomorrow night at the garden. Um, And then some games coming up, they have the Pacers, a home and away on Monday and Wednesday. They're at home Monday and then in Indiana on Wednesday and then they'll take on the Sixers in Philly next Friday. Um, so I think, you know, with this Celtics team, as I said, just, it's going to be what it's going to be. I think that it's hard to expect anything other than this team just being inconsistent. Um, you know, I think the hope is They can get past these late game struggles. I don't really expect that to happen. Um, but I think it's just, you know, there's still a, a place for them if they can pick their game up, um, that they can be a playoff team. But it's just, as, it's hard. To, it's hard to be confident when you, you know, lose games like you did last night with a 25 point lead in the second quarter and you lose on a buzzer beater, you know, and it just is like, the Celtics just seem to be destined to lose those games. So, um, another matchup with the Knicks tomorrow night at the Garden, 730 start, um, and this literally just in, um, from the Athletic, uh, the Celtics appear to be waving Jabari Parker. Um, so that's kind of some news. Jabari's not really played, um, a lot this season has kind of played some sparing minutes, um you know good in flashes but i think it just it's not going to happen for him with the Celtics just being a regular nba player you know i think that it's unfortunate cuz he's dealt with a lot in his nba career i think you know expectations of him being great and i think the injuries that he's had unfortunately have kind of robbed him of being a big time player i mean certainly he's had some moments with the Celtics but you know i think that you want to try to look for someone else that can give you better minutes. So, unfortunate, um, unfortunate situation there. Um, So obviously without uh, baseball being, um, or baseball really not looking like much is gonna change. Um, I actually would just get an update also from The Athletic. This is crazy. Uh, Major League Baseball is preparing new core economic proposals this month Um, so meaning that talks could resume soon but that's really all we have for baseball you know I think it's not really worth talking about the Red Sox because there's really not much you know news to talk about I think you know if there is something that gets done in the near future you know free agency you know, is probably going to be crazy, you know, because I still think that there are a lot of players that, you know, still don't know what the future holds for them. So uh, definitely keep your eye on any baseball stuff. Um, So I think we'll move on to talking about the NFL, um, and then we'll get to some NBA, NHL notes. I realize that I've kind of not done that in the last couple weeks, um, and I've kind of left some big information out. So I think I want to try to get back to that. We'll try to do that um, next week as well for the next um, phase in the podcast. So hopefully, you know, back with you guys Monday and we can continue to talk about, um, you know, other things going on in each of the leagues. So NFL Week 18, we'll take a look at the games this week that will uh, help determine playoff spots or playoff seeding. Um, so obviously Patriots at 10-6, and six, they're currently in the fifth spot in the AFC. Um, they won't move, I think, you know, unless they lose and fall back. Um, if they finish tied with the Colts with the same record, obviously the Colts would get a tiebreaker if the Patriots had the same record with the Chargers or the Raiders. I think they'd have a tiebreaker over them, so they would finish higher. Um, but the easiest thing for the Patriots, I think— you know, if they win this week, most likely Buffalo will win. The Patriots will, you know, be the five seed so and have to go on the road to Buffalo or Cincinnati. Um, but, you know, uh, obviously nothing in store for the Dolphins. Um, so we'll get into the games. So uh, ESPN will be host or will be uh, broadcasting two games tomorrow. Um, it's the uh, season finale, as they're calling it. So uh, two NFL games on ABC and ESPN tomorrow at 4.30, Kansas City and Denver. Denver obviously eliminated from the playoffs. Kansas City can potentially get the number one seed with a win and a Tennessee loss. Um, I don't know how some of the seedings are going to play out, um, but I believe that if Kansas City and the Cincinnati end up tied with the same record, uh, Cincinnati would get a tiebreaker because of the head-to-head win. Um But Kansas City, you know, I think continue, have continued to play really well offensively uh, for the most part of this season. Obviously lost a shootout uh, to Cincinnati last week, but I do like them on the road to pick up their 12th win of the season. Uh, Denver, I think, has done about as well as you could expect um, with a team that just has struggled on offense all season long. Uh, But I do like the Chiefs in this game. Uh, Dallas and Philadelphia, the late game on Saturday night at 8.15. Both teams are in the playoffs. Uh, this may affect Dallas's seeding. Um, if they are able to win and some teams are able to lose, they may be able to jump up uh, to that second or third seed. Uh, Philadelphia obviously clinched a playoff spot. They could move up to the sixth seed if they win the 49ers lose. Um, so, you know, Eagles obviously making the playoffs for the first year as or in the first year of Nick Sirianni's coaching or in his coaching debut, they've made the playoffs in his first season. Um, so both teams in the playoffs, maybe potentially a first round matchup. I think that a lot would need to change for that to happen, but I think it, I think it is possible. Um, I think Dallas rebounds. I think they win a close one. I think Philly plays really well, but I think Dallas wins in the end uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland, Cincinnati has announced that I believe Joe Mixon and um, Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow, I think both of them will miss the game. The Bengals are resting Joe Burrow, so obviously it be interesting to see how Cleveland can do. I think Cleveland might win this game. Um, I think that there's a distinct possibility, uh, but both teams will be playing with their backup quarterbacks. So it's kind of hard to know what you're going to see in this game. Uh, with both, both um, both quarterbacks, um, obviously both starting quarterbacks not playing for different reasons. Joe Burrow obviously sitting out for rest, um, as he hurt his knee late in the Chiefs game last week, uh, and then Baker Mayfield obviously getting surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. So, uh, Case Keenum against Brandon Allen. I'd be curious to see what this game looks like. I think it really could be a toss-up, but um, I think Cleveland wins this game at home. I think they give their fans something to maybe be happy about. I think that changes uh, the Bengals standing in the AFC. So I think based on if they lose, they would drop back to the four seed. Uh, Green Bay and Detroit. Green Bay obviously already clinched the number one seed. The Lions, uh, two and 13, have picked up couple wins this season Um, I believe that if they win Jacksonville would automatically get the first pick Um, so you know I'm not really a fan of teams just losing intentionally but um, I have a hard time believing Detroit can beat Green Bay I think even with Green Bay's backups but um, I think Detroit makes this uh, somewhat of a decent game I think they make it close but I think Green Bay wins and picks up their league leading 14th win of the season uh, Chicago and Minnesota. Chicago was looking forward to Justin Fields making a start in this game, but unfortunately, he is out uh, on the COVID list. Uh, Kirk Cousins will be back from the COVID list for Minnesota, but uh, Minnesota eliminated from the playoffs last week, so uh, not really much that matters in this game. Um, I think Minnesota wins, uh, but you know, again, these games are, are tough to watch when you know you know neither of these teams. Neither uh, team is going to the playoffs. Same thing with Washington and the Giants. I like Washington to win. I um, think Joe Judge certainly could be someone that could get fired. Um, Washington, I think, picks up the win. They kind of have been, you know, okay. They've just been kind of all right at certain points. But um, I do expect Washington to win. Indianapolis and Jacksonville. Indy needs a win to get into the playoffs, so I like them. I think they clinch the playoff berth, and then I think Jacksonville uh, clinches that uh, number one pick in the draft. Um, So Colts, obviously, in the sixth spot, if they can win, they'll be into the playoffs. Some AFC games will obviously, you know, decide playoff seeding, but I think, you know, I think I see it going... A way that I think may be helpful to the Patriots, uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore will play. Both of these teams uh, need a win to have any chance of going to the playoffs. Uh, potentially, Ben Roethlisberger's last game as a Steeler. Uh, Lamar Jackson will be out for Baltimore in this game. Tyler Huntley will play. You know, I like what Pittsburgh did in their last game, but I think Baltimore is going to uh, beat them on the last game of the on the last day of the season. And we say goodbye to uh, Ben Roethlisberger and his career. I don't think either of these teams are going to make the playoffs. You know, I think a lot would have to go right for either of them to make it. Um, They need a Colts loss. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think both teams miss the playoffs, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Um, Tennessee and Houston. Tennessee can lock up the number one seed in the AFC if they win. I think that that's going to happen. So I like Tennessee to beat Houston rather handily in this game. Derrick Henry may be returning in the playoffs for Tennessee, as I think he started the 21-day uh, designation or whatever. So Tennessee, obviously, if they win, they would get a first-round buy. So Derrick Henry may be available for that first playoff game. Um, New Orleans and Atlanta, both teams—or Atlanta missing the playoffs. Um, the Saints are still alive if they are able to win— and the 49ers lose, so I think it is a distinct possibility. Um, I do like the Saints to win on the road against Atlanta. Um, I do think this is going to be close. You know, Anytime you have a division rivalry in a game at the end of the season, it's going to be close, so I do like the Saints, uh, Buffalo, and the Jets, so we're into the late window with New Orleans, Atlanta, and now the Jets and the Bills. I like the Bills to win, and I think the Bills move into that third spot, uh, with the win and a Cincinnati loss. Um, and then that would put the Patriots in a matchup with the Bengals, most likely. Um, and then San Francisco and the Rams, this is a game that will be very interesting. The Rams looking to hold on to that number two seed uh, based on their win against Tampa Bay and head-to-head. Um, so they kind of need a win to stay um, in that number two seed um and the 49ers obviously need a win to uh, stay in the playoffs. I kind of like the Rams to win. I think the 49ers uh, drop this game, and I actually think the Saints are going to get into the playoffs uh, despite that 9-8 and eight record. But that's kind of how I see it going. San Francisco, unsure about Jimmy Garoppolo's availability, but you know, despite them getting a win last week against Houston, I didn't think they looked particularly good. And I think the Rams are looking to um, end the season on a high note. So I like the Rams to win this game. Um, Seattle and Arizona, this game may affect standing in the NFC. Um, I do like Arizona to win on the road. JJ Watt is returning for this last game. So I think that could be uh, something interesting to watch as Arizona kind of needs a boost. And then Tampa Bay closes the season against Carolina. I think Tampa Bay gets the win. Obviously, there's been a lot in the news about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Antonio Brown. I really don't want to spend any time on this, so I'll just say that everything he has done, Antonio Brown, he has done to himself and deserves all the criticism. I think the Bucs deserve plenty of criticism, too, uh, for bringing this guy on and just this whole situation. I think there's blame all around. I think that there's definitely blame uh, for Bruce Arians. I think there's definitely some blame that should be directed at Tom Brady. I think a lot of people aren't talking about it, but I think that they should. So that's really all I'm going to say. You know, I think it's uh, obviously it's unfortunate for the Bucks, but I'm not going to feel bad for them really at all because they, you know, should have expected something like this, but obviously losing a player like Antonio Brown, you're losing a very good player. So, you know, obviously in an offense that's already lost Chris Godwin, you know, I think that it could end up hurting them in the playoffs. I don't think it hurts them in this game. I think they beat Carolina rather easily. Um, And then Las Vegas and the chargers, they will battle for a spot in the playoffs. This will be a legitimate, you know, play in type of game that the winner gets in. Um, With a win, things would get very interesting with a tie. Um, I think the Chargers would get in if there's a tie, but obviously a win and you're in for either of these teams. Games in Vegas, I like the Chargers. I know that they've had some issues in some close games this year, and maybe they've been too aggressive in other games, but I do think Justin Herbert makes enough plays to win, but I think this is going to be... Uh, one of the best games of the season. I'm really looking forward to this game. Uh, so I think the Chargers get in. So based on what I believe is going to happen, you know, this is just me predicting things. Um, I think that Tennessee gets the number one overall seed in, in the AFC. Um, so I believe that, that is going to stay the same. I think Kansas City stays as the two seed. I think Cincinnati and Buffalo are going to flip-flop. And then I think... Colts will stay where they are, and I think the Patriots will stay where they are, and the Chargers will get into the playoffs, so based on these, I would think the playoff matchups would line up to be Kansas City against the Chargers, Buffalo against the Colts, and the Patriots against the Bengals on the road, and then in the NFC, I actually think things are going to stay the same for the top five teams. Green Bay, I think, remains as that number one. Uh, The Rams will clinch the two, Tampa Bay the three, Dallas the four, Arizona the five, and then I think um, Philadelphia and New Orleans will end up in the playoffs um, at nine and eight, but I think the Eagles will be that sixth spot because of the win um, against the Saints. So then based on that, um, the playoffs would probably look something like this. It would be uh, Green Bay obviously getting getting the bye, um, the Rams against the Saints, the Buccaneers against the Eagles, um, and then the Cowboys against the Cardinals. Some uh, interesting playoff matchups that might turn out to be. So I think we will move on and talk about some uh, miscellaneous hockey stuff. Uh, We'll take a look at the standings. Uh, Nikita Kucherov returned for the Lightning last night, had two assists in the win. Vegas beating the Rangers last night in the uh, return of Gerard Gallant and Ryan Reeves to Vegas, where they were uh, there for a couple seasons. Um, There are reports that the injury to Kaprizov last night on the hit by Trent Frederick That the injury does not look good, so the Wild may be without uh, Kaprizov for a while. Um, the All Star Game fan voting will end on will end tomorrow, um, and I think we'll take a look at the standings. Pittsburgh Penguins obviously won their tenth straight game last night, so taking a look at the Wild Card standings, you know, a playoff positioning in the Metro. Washington and the Rangers are even in terms of points. Washington is technically in first because they've played one fewer game um, than Carolina in the third spot. You know, those three teams have been very exciting to watch this season. Um, And it's also kind of been the same thing with the Atlantic. Uh, Tampa Bay maintaining that number one spot in the Atlantic. They're the number one team in the Eastern Conference at 51 points. Florida, two points behind them. And then Toronto, five points Behind Tampa Bay, and then in the wild card spots, you have Pittsburgh. You know the aforementioned team that has won ten in a row. They have forty five points, so they are locked into that first wild card spot. And then the Bruins are clinging to the second wild card spot, a one point lead over Detroit, three point lead over New Jersey. Uh, but the Bruins have multiple games in hand for all those teams, so that at least is a positive, I think. Um, and then in the West, we'll take a look. The uh, surprising Nashville Predators have won eight of their last 10. They have 46 points uh, tops in the central just second in the entire Western conference. So they've had a really good season. Uh, the St. Louis blues in second coming off a win in the winter classic game on New Year's day. Uh, one of the coldest games I've ever seen, obviously it was not there. I would not have wanted to be there considering it was so cold. It was uh negative, I think it was negative nine, negative 10 at one point in the third period. So uh, yeah, I don't recommend that. Um, Then Colorado in third place in the Central, they have a lot of games in hand. They've had some uh, COVID postponements. In the Pacific, you have Vegas uh, in first place, followed by Anaheim, who's had a really good season uh, so far this year. They're in second place. Uh, Then the Calgary Flames in third in the Pacific, they've kind of Dropped off a little bit after a really good start. Um, And then the wildcard teams, Minnesota in that first spot, Edmonton in that second. But there are three teams just a point behind them. Winnipeg, Los Angeles, and San Jose. Vancouver is three behind them. Dallas is four behind them with a bunch of games in hand. So uh, things get very interesting in the Western Conference. Uh, Teams like LA and San Jose, I think, have, um, and Vancouver, I think, have outplayed their kind of expectation you know Vancouver they were kind of left for dead a number of weeks ago but Bruce Boudreaux comes in they've won eight out of ten they're just three points out of a playoff spot which is kind of hard to believe considering where they were a couple weeks ago so uh, good stuff there from Vancouver a couple games tonight Calgary and Carolina at seven Washington and St. Louis at eight So now I'll move to the NBA. Just take a look at some uh, notes from around the league. Uh, The Suns are the first team to 30 wins after Chris Paul put up a triple-double. There are um, obviously updated protocols in the NBA, the NHL, and the NFL. Rudy Gobert uh, tested positive the other day, so he obviously was the first NBA player to test positive almost two years ago. Um, so we'll take a look at the NBA standings. The Chicago Bulls lead the Eastern Conference. They have won eight straight games. They are back to playing really good basketball. They have a game and a half lead over the Nets, and then two and a half game lead over the Bucks. Um, and then the Heat are in fourth place, followed by the Sixers and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then in the play-in, I guess you could say, of the Raptors in the seventh spot, Charlotte in the eighth spot followed by Washington, who has had a big fall-off recently. And then the Knicks in 10th, the Celtics are currently on the outside looking in in terms of that play-in game, as are the Atlanta Hawks, um, who have been rumored to maybe be interested in Ben Simmons. Um, So, you know, Cleveland has been a pleasant surprise in the East. Uh, the Sixers won five in a row, so they're kind of back on track a little bit. Um, the Raptors have won four in a row, so they're on a good good stretch of play. They've won seven out of ten. Um, and then we'll take a look at the Western Conference. Phoenix in first place, obviously the first team in the NBA to 30 wins. Golden State right behind them at 29-9. Just a game back. Utah is in third place in the West. Um, and then the Memphis Grizzlies have won seven in a row. They're in fourth place. John Morant is playing out of his mind right now. It's pretty, it's pretty wild to watch uh, how good he's been this year. So uh, the Grizzlies are on the up and up with seven straight wins. The Mavericks are two games over 500. They're in fifth with four straight wins. The Lakers have won three in a row, so they're in sixth. And then in the play-in, the Nuggets, the Clippers, at 7-8. and eight, And then Minnesota and San Antonio, ninth and 10th, with the Sacramento Kings a half game back and the Trailblazers a game back that play-in. So uh, Jason Kidd has entered the NBA's health and safety protocol, so that Mavs will be without their coach uh, for a little bit. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the NBA in the next few weeks. Trade deadline is about a month away. Um, some games on the schedule tonight, the Spurs and the Sixers will play in Philadelphia An ESPN doubleheader, uh, Milwaukee and Brooklyn. That might be a worthwhile game, uh, to check in on tonight, Washington and Chicago play at eight. Um, and then you have the second ESPN or second ESPN game, the second of a doubleheader, the Hawks playing the Lakers at, um. Almost said Staples Center, but it's actually the arena formerly known as the Staples Center, the Crypto.com. I think it's the Crypto.com Arena. I'm not sure. It actually might be Crypto.com Center, but either way, um, it was kind of a sad thing that uh, the arena's name got changed. I know that that's kind of like, it doesn't really matter, but I mean, it kind of does. You know, it probably was a similar thing when. Um, The old Boston Garden was, you know, torn down and they had to build a new arena. I mean, I know it's not the same thing um, that it's like the Lakers are just just renaming the arena. It's not the same thing as tearing down an arena, but, you know, just the name and just it was kind of so synonymous with Los Angeles and with the Lakers. So, um, yeah, it's crypto.com arena now, crypto.com center, whatever you want. Um, So I think we'll move on to some college sports, take a look at some men's basketball. Take a look at the uh, top 25. Uh, Baylor still at number one. The top seven teams in uh, the AP top 25 have stayed the same. Baylor, Duke, Purdue, Gonzaga, UCLA, Kansas, and USC. Some teams that uh, jumped up a little bit this week. Uh, Providence moved up from uh, 21 to 16. Alabama from 19 to 15, uh, Villanova from 22 to 19, um, and some teams had some big drops this week. Uh, Seton Hall dropped from 15 to 24, uh, LSU dropping from 16 to 21, Tennessee dropping to 18, and Iowa State dropping out of the top 10 from number 8 to number 11. Um, So we'll take a look at some key games tomorrow. On Saturday, obviously some games have been postponed. Uh, Ninth-ranked Auburn plays Florida Saturday night, tomorrow night at 8. Connecticut against Seton Hall tomorrow afternoon at noon on Fox. Kansas against Texas Tech, a top 25 matchup there tomorrow at 4 o'clock on ESPN2. Number one, Baylor playing TCU on the road tomorrow at 5. And that's probably, you got number two Duke against Miami tomorrow night at eight. Could be interesting. And then you have uh, Tennessee and LSU tomorrow at six. Both of those two teams ranked in the SEC. Um, And then we'll take a look at some bowl games with uh, me dropping another episode. um, Starting the new uh, format for the podcast. We'll be previewing the Alabama and Georgia national championship game. Um, on Monday, So unfortunately, probably not going to preview today. We'll preview it on Monday, but we'll take a look at some other bowl games that have happened since uh, we last were, we last were with you. Um, obviously Alabama crushing Cincinnati 27 to six and Georgia destroying Michigan 34 to 11. It just is unfortunate that uh, these two games turned out to be kind of snooze fest that I think, Both of the teams that won were in control pretty much the whole game. Um, You know, I think Cincinnati maybe made it competitive for a little bit longer, but Brian Robinson was just amazing in this game. 200 yards on 26 carries. Uh, Bryce Young obviously with three touchdowns. But I'll be honest, I don't think he looked great in this game. Obviously, I know he had three touchdowns in this game. Sorry about that. But I as that. Uh, But anyway, um, you know, I don't think it was his best game. You know, I think that that's something that Georgia might be able to focus on. Um, Obviously, he had three touchdowns, but only had 181 yards uh, on 28 attempts. So, you know, that could be something to take a look at. But I will just say just because of the outcomes of both of these games doesn't mean that Michigan and Cincinnati were undeserving. You know, I think that revisionist history some that some people like to do that and like to be like oh well you know these teams were good enough cincinnati was good enough michigan was good enough um you know it just alabama has all the experience of playing in games like this um cincinnati doesn't this is the first time they played in the college football playoffs same thing with michigan um you know alabama was really good on offense Or uh, defense, excuse me. And I think, you know, Cincinnati, I think, had a chance in that first quarter, but I think, unfortunately, they just were not able to capitalize and keep the game close. So Alabama just kind of ran away with it, um, with Brian Robinson having the game that he did. So easy win for Alabama and easy win for Georgia. I was kind of shocked at how poorly Michigan played, uh, but Stetson Bennett was outstanding. I know that I, you know, made some comments about him last week, not thinking that You know, he could be a guy that would outplay another quarterback, but that's exactly what he did. He had 313 yards and three touchdowns. Um, And that's, he's going to be huge uh, in the championship game. Uh, But obviously we'll talk about that more on Monday. Uh, Central Michigan beating Washington State uh, 24-21 in the Sun Bowl. And then on New Year's Day, you had some great games. Um, Ohio State outlasting Utah in The Rose Bowl, 48-45. This was one of the best games that I've seen all season. Uh, C.J. Stroud was awesome. Six touchdowns, almost 600 yards. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba had the greatest game that I've ever seen of any wide receiver. And I'm like all time. College football, you know, NFL, high school. I mean, that was the best game that I've ever seen. So uh, that was an amazing game, 48-45. Um, Oklahoma State comes all the way back to beat Notre Dame. They were down 28-7. to They win 37-35. Um, Notre Dame wasting a 500-yard five-touchdown game from Jack Cohn. So uh, the near six woes continue for Notre Dame. Uh, Marcus Freeman coaching his first game as Notre Dame head coach. Hopefully it gets better. But uh, Oklahoma State with a great win. Uh, Baylor with a great defensive performance against Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. They went 21-7. to um, Unfortunately, Ole Miss lost Matt Corral in the first quarter, um, but he, I think, appeared to escape any major injury. Uh, Kentucky beat Iowa in the Citrus Bowl 20-17. to So those games still on New Year's Day. And then there was uh, one final bowl game that happened. Um, on Tuesday night, Kansas City beating, or Kansas State beating LSU in the Texas Bowl, 42-20. to 20. And then obviously we've got the championship game, which uh, we will talk more about on Monday. So that probably does it for college football. Um, I do want to make note of uh, the uh, news of the passing of John Madden not too long ago, um, I just kind of, it slipped my mind, to be honest, I forgot to mention it last week, but um, I just want to say that the impact that he had on the game of football and, you know, sports really as a whole uh, really cannot be possibly overstated, Um, you know, even remembering the the Madden games, you know, we all obviously, uh, a lot of us grew up, you know, playing, playing these games and, you know, hearing his voice. And it just is kind of like wild that, you know, that, that video game had such a big impact on my, you know, life as playing video games, but also just someone being a, a big sports fanatic, you know, I think that, I think that if I think back to, you know, moments where I really kind of grabbed, grabbed, grasped onto sports, you know, playing those games were really kind of the, the reason why. And you know, listening to him as a broadcaster at, you know, a young age that I did, you know, I think he had stopped broadcasting games in maybe like 2006. So I, you know, was still kind of at a young age, not at the age that I am now, but, you know, obviously the the legacy that he left on the on the game of football is, you know, pretty much unmatched. So um, I just wanted to say a word and, you know, say how much um, he and uh, his broadcast and, you know the video games meant uh, so much to me so uh, rest in peace John so I think that probably does it for uh, this week's episode Um, really excited to get uh, get started next week with the new format we will be coming out with uh, an episode Monday and then we'll be coming out with uh, our guest episode on Friday I'm gonna keep the uh, guest a little bit of a secret um, until I have a time nailed down to Uh, interview this particular person so uh, we'll definitely keep you updated on the Twitter page and the Facebook page with all the things that will be going on um, in the next few weeks as I you know welcome guests and we get used to this uh, new format so hopefully uh, everyone enjoys that Uh, so keep a lookout on the Twitter and Facebook pages Uh, you can follow or like both of those pages Um, You can listen on Spotify. You can listen on Apple Podcasts. Um, So everyone have a great weekend. Um, Enjoy the... enjoy. I I use the term enjoy very lightly because I know some people are not fans of the snow um, in terms of, you know, plowing and, you know, shoveling it out and doing all that, you know, fun stuff. But um, if you're one of those people that loves snow, enjoy the weekend and... We'll uh, talk to you next, talk to you again on Monday.